Luke chapter 1, verse, beginning with verse 39. Jesus followed in those days. Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of the greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I just want to talk a few moments about joyful, joy, unspeakable joy. To get the highlight of this, and I'm not going to spend the time to do it, but you can do it on your own. Go back in the beginning of the very first part of Luke, and you have the account of uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias and all that that account entails in terms of the birth of John the Baptist. And I'm just going to summarize it to say this, that the similarities between Zacharias and Elizabeth is also somewhat similar to Mary and Joseph. If you go back and what you find out is that Elizabeth was an older woman. We're not told how old, but evidently she was old enough that she was past the age of bearing children. In fact, we find out that she had no children at all. And then all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel appears to Zacharias and tells them that in your old age, or in her old age, guess what? You're going to have a child. Now, if you are a certain age in here today, and you're well past your childbearing years, that might be a problem for you if all of a sudden the angel appears to you and tells your husband and then tells you, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Especially when you're thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm past the, the prime. I don't have no patience. But that's what happened to those two. The same thing that happened to Zacharias and Elizabeth is also similar to what happens to Mary. In the sense that the same angel, Gabriel, comes to Mary and tells her that she is now going to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So when we get to this part of chapter nine, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 39, uh, sometimes, you know, there's such a thing. Such, there's such good news that you just can't keep it to yourself, you know? What did the old-timers say? Uh, as I said, I couldn't tell nobody, but I couldn't what? Keep it to myself. We have a lot of time keeping a lot of things to ourselves, but this will be something hard. So here we have that sometimes the good news, and Mary had received some good news from the angel that she was going to bear a son. And that's where Mary finds herself. And after this announcement by Gabriel and Mary's willingness to be servant of the Lord and taking God at his word, we find that at the very end of uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 45. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 37 and 38. Uh, Mary says, you know what? After Gabriel told her all that was going to happen, she says, be it so. I will be a slave. I'll be a servant to the Lord. And by the time we get to verse 39 of this chapter, we find out that immediately, Mary, I mean, we're not told how much time, time passed, but it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste, with haste 
into the hill country of a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted, greeted Elizabeth. So shortly after some time, well, first we have Elizabeth and Zacharias. Elizabeth is probably six months pregnant at this time. Elizabeth, uh, Mary is probably just finished talking to the angel, so she's just beginning to be pregnant. She's not very long, if days, if not maybe a month or so. So she immediately goes to the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And you, uh, whenever we find some things written in the Bible, there's written there for a reason. It says, in those days, Mary arose and with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. This was not an easy trip. So it wasn't like she just got walked across the street or around the block. She had to take some time. There was a, probably a couple days journey at least to get to where uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth was, was. And then we're told she's entered into the house and she gets there. And they greet one another. Now, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the greeting. Because you know how we are when we meet with each other today. Well, sort of like what we do every Sunday morning. Like I say, you would think we never greet each other at all. But in that context, in that culture, greeting was more than saying, hi there, how are you? You know how we do it. We walk in, hey, how are you? You know, the last little social, hey, brother, how you doing? Sister, how you doing? Hi, you know. Uh, Hi, Dr. Mwanza, how are you? You know, just, just hi. Back then, and, and if you really want to do some study, go back to Exodus chapter 18, around verse uh, 7, when Moses meets with Jethro, and he, he, we're given a little insight into this greeting. Their greeting was way more than our greetings. In fact, they would actually come in and sit down and talk about some of their life experiences, how things were really going on with them. If you look at Exodus chapter 18, you'll find that Moses, when he gets to Jethro's house, he, Jethro and him start talking, and he starts explaining to Jethro, well, I was in the land of Egypt and Pharaoh. He talks about all the things that happened to us. Most of us do, don't do that when we talk to each other today. You're, just walk, you're not going to walk into my house and say, hi, how are you? And, oh, by the way, Pastor, I just want to share with you a couple things. Like, number one, uh, we had some problems with my health, uh, you know, this and that. And we had some problems with our bills. And money's kind of funny. And, and our kids are, you know, we don't do that. But back then, that was normal. So when it talks about Mary coming in and she gets there and she enters into the house of Zacharias and greets Elizabeth, it's more than just a hi, how are you? Probably, if you really think about it, and, and we're not told any of this at all, but just think what happened to Mary. The angel Gabriel just told her she was going to bear the Messiah. So, you know, in her mind, I would think she's like, wow, who am I going to talk to? I mean, I just can't go up to anybody and say, by the way, you know what I was just told? I was just told that I'm going to have a baby. And guess what? I don't even know a man. I'm a virgin. And guess what? This baby that I'm going to have, I'm going to name him this name. And also, this baby that I'm going to have is going to be the savior of the world. Not many people would understand that except for one, Elizabeth. So maybe she's going to Elizabeth's house to say, you know what? I just can't talk to anybody because everybody may not understand this. But I'm going to Elizabeth because of all people, she should because I understand she's old. And the fact that she's old and now pregnant, hmm, maybe she might understand what I am actually going through. So she gets there, and, and, and they greet one another. And, and they get there, and, and I would say that 
what happens is a confirmation takes place, but also there, there's the joy of Elizabeth. For verses 49 through 45, we have this joy. So what happens when they get together? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The baby, he says, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Upon Mary entering, the baby, we know the baby to be John the Baptist, the baby leaps the moment she hears Mary's voice. Why would the baby, why would, we'll just call him, since he is John, John the Baptist, why would John the Baptist, who's in, in, in vitro, inside, inside Elizabeth, why is this baby, at the, at the voice of Mary, all of a sudden the baby leaps? She feels a movement. Now, I know, those of, how many here are fathers? Okay. When I was a father, my wife, we were, uh, I'll never forget, a couple instances, I'll give you one illustration. We were up at NCR Park, walking around. Back then, our church went to NCR Park. And one of the things she told me was this. She said, Phil, the baby's kicking. And I would place my hand, and do you feel movement? And I don't know what it's like. I mean, I just feel it from the outside. I have no concept of what something moving inside of you would be like. But those of you who are women understand that. So the fact that, the, the, the fact that this baby hears Mary's voice was a confirmation of a couple of things. Number one, we're told earlier in the chapter with Zacharias and Elizabeth that the baby from, from its conception, John, would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's unusual of itself. Theologically. So when Mary comes in and greets Elizabeth, this child recognizes who Mary is and also recognizes whom Mary is carrying. That's why the baby leaps, because it's a sign, it's a confirmation that this just isn't any ordinary person. This is, number one, she who is going to bear the Messiah, and also inside of her is the promised one, the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself. So the baby <laughs> moves. And we find out that that was a good sign for Mary because she may have had some doubts, but once she starts this conversation with Elizabeth, we saw that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Whenever the Holy Spirit of God possesses a person. When it says she was filled with the Holy Spirit, it really simply means she was controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the controlling factor of the Holy Spirit was revealed to her was going to be what God was going to do through, number one, Elizabeth with the bearing of John the Baptist, but also it was going to bear what was going to happen with Mary with the Son of God. Got it? So when she's filled, she's making this pronouncement. And what does she say? She wouldn't have said this of her own. She had to say this because God revealed it to her. It says, she entered, when she heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped, and Elizabeth was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cries out in a loud voice or a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, I want you to catch a couple things here. Blessed, got it? Blessed are you among, not above, but among. Got it? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That word blessed means more than just being happy. 
And you got the Beatitudes, blessed are they, blessed are they. We translate that happy. It's more than the, the word happy or blessed. It has the idea of, of who that person is. A person is blessed when God's favor rests on them. You catch what I just said? A person is blessed. You're blessed. She's blessed because what? God's favor is now on Mary. There's nothing special about Mary at all. Nothing. Other than she was given the privilege to bear the Son of God. I've noticed in a lot of, a lot of books I was reading in, one of the one of the notes that was was made mentioned, and I was sitting at home reading some stuff, and I was, as I was reading, I went, mm, "That's pretty good." And my wife says, "What?" I said, "Well, I'm just reading this little note here," and I says, "You know, there's never our our, our Catholic friends are wrong when they say blessed is mother, blessed O mother of God. That's an impossibility because Mary is not the mother of God." She is the mother of Jesus, who is the physical manifestation of the other half of who Jesus is, which is the Son of God. Because God cannot be born, because God is what? Sovereign and eternal. There's no way a human mother could birth God. She just simply birthed Jesus, who is the physical, the man part of who Jesus was. The other part of Jesus was he was also the Son of God. I said, wow, I never thought about that. And if you read the text, it says, blessed is she, what? Among all women. Not above, but among all women, she's considered blessed because she was given the privilege of bringing forth the Messiah. And as I said, as you read the accounts of Matthew and, and, and Luke and the rest of them, of all the women in the world, God just chose her. He could have just as easily chosen somebody else. But Mary found favor. God's hand was on her so that of all the women, young women of that time, she was chosen to bear this Messiah. She was filled with the Holy Spirit to give a message to all. And if you wanted some other passages of Scripture, go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. You find out how holy men of God who were moved by the Spirit were able to write the Word of God. Again, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Men, the men that wrote the Bible were possessed, were filled, were under the control of the Holy Spirit. And they sat down and wrote, because God superintended their hand, the Word that we have and we know as the Bible. Amen? So Mary is blessed because she found favor with God. What else does Elizabeth say here? She says in this verse, she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why? What's the favor of the fruit of her womb? The favor is she's bearing the Messiah. And because he's being born, we now have salvation in him. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. I mean, this is a, I mean, when you think about this, this is just overwhelming. I mean, if I was, if I was at that time, and if I had been Mary or, or was Joseph, and I'm thinking of all, wait a minute, whoa, 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 are you telling me that this child is 
going to be God himself? I mean, try to wrap your mind around that. That's not an easy thing. But Mary, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cries out this this pronouncement, this this great opportunity to share with, with Mary the opportunity to say, you know what? This just isn't any ordinary thing. This is a fulfilling promise that was talked about way back in Genesis 3.15, all the way through the prophets and everybody else. This is the fulfillment of that because that which is in you is none other than God himself. And he, because his name is called Jesus, is going to save us from our sins. And because his name is Emmanuel, will mean God with us. That's why John in the book, Gospel of John, picked it up. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning, and he goes through that whole, why? Because he understood, and he finally, the, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, that this person that he traveled around for three and a half years is really God in the flesh. And he wrote a whole book to explain to the people of that time and to us that all that we saw Jesus do was for us to understand that he is God. Not a historic figure, not a figment of my imagination. I saw for myself all that Jesus did. I was there. Pick up 1 John chapter 1. He talks about that which we have seen and that which we have heard our own hands, has, our own eyes have seen and our own hands have held. This is God himself. But he says, blessed are you among women. And why? He has another question. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I don't get this. Why are you coming to me? Well, I would say one reason she's coming to her is because, like I just said earlier, who's she going to talk to? Have you ever had something ever happen to you and you're thinking, you know, if I, who am I going to tell this to? Because I really, if I go to somebody, if I just can't go to anybody because they may not understand what really has taken place. And Mary, or Elizabeth asks, why is the Lord, why have I found favor with God to the point that now the mother of my Lord should come to me? And she, and she talks about here, and we have the, the further part of it, that the joy of, of, the, of John or the unborn, in verse 41, he leaps. Verse 44, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. He just moved just for the sake of it. When he leaped, it was for joy. Joy, why? Because the joy of this baby understood who you are and who he is. I'm going to come before him. And guess what? Of all the prophets, John the Baptist was the greatest. He's above Moses. He's above Isaiah. He's above Ezekiel. He's above, of all, John the Baptist is the greatest. Why is he classified? You read about that in, in, in the first part of Luke. Why is he classified as the greatest? Because he had the privilege of coming before Christ himself. And there's no jealousy between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth's not looking at Mary and saying, well, you know what? I mean, my son's going to be called great. But yours is, she understood that. Hers is going to be great, but Jesus is going to be greater. But there was no jealousy. There was no anger. I mean, she wasn't, why do you get to have the Messiah? How come I don't get to have the Messiah? Because it's not in God's plan. You know, how many times do we get upset with somebody and they get blessed or something happens to them when, honestly, we should, we should rejoice in the good things that happen to other people because it, evidently it's not in God's plan. As of now, for you to be 
where that person is. I mean, there's a, there, they, they understood their, their role, their position. She says, I don't get it. Why, why, why is the mother of my Lord, why are you coming to me? And you know what? Here's another confirmation. When this baby that I'm carrying heard your voice, he leaps for joy. And then she says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment in what is spoken to her from the Lord. Yeah. You're to be blessed because you took God at his word. I, you know, when God speaks and tells us something that we may not understand it, what's the best thing for us to do? Do it! Do we not understand that by faith sometimes God says, God tells us to do something that doesn't make any sense? God takes zero and makes thousands. God takes less and makes more. Don't ask me to explain it. Don't ask me how he does it. I just know he does. He's done it in my life. I don't know if he's ever done it in your life, but when you think you don't have anything at all, God's miraculously takes the least, the less that we have and supernaturally makes it greater. It does not make sense. We, we, we're logical people. I mean, we, we, we sit back and we look at all the facts and all the figures, and if it doesn't weigh out, balances out, we say, we can't do it. That's not how God operates. He spoke to an individual saying, by the way, pack up your bags and let's move out. And you're going to become a great nation. I'm not going to tell you how it's going to be done, but you just do what I tell you to do. And Abraham packs up, starts walking, and God shows him the way. You know how I know we all have weak faith? Because we all do. Because we all want to, we want to see Okay, it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, A plus 1 plus 1 plus 2. 2 plus 2 is 4. 4 plus 4 is 8. Got it. And sometimes God says, you're looking at the wrong thing. Uh, you're not going to find what I'm going to tell you to do on a piece of paper. You're not even going to find it in my word. I'm just asking you to take, take off by faith. And I find it interesting that we do, we, we do it in seasons in our life. I think about it, we as a church, we, 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 we did a lot of things by faith, not knowing that God was going to do it. And not knowing, understanding that we, were, we who were few did a whole lot of stuff that was deemed impossible by a lot of other people. But now we got here. Now that we're comfortable, that same faith that got us here is not the same faith that carries us forward. I looked at this morning. It's better looking now. I was, I was like, oh, this is it? Really? Why don't we get some people out? Some people on vacation, some people traveling, some people sick. But at first, and I physically counted, I said, there's only 12 people here? Really? And in our Wednesday night's Bible study, for those of you who don't come, uh, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not saying this to be convicted, I'm just saying because it's the truth. One of the things that we need to work at. It, two things. One, we need to evangelize the lost. That's number one. That's our commission. That's, that's our job. I mean, we can sit here and bemoan the fact that those who should be here aren't here, but we need to go out, seek and save those who are lost. That's number one. That's our job. That's our mission. Number two, which is a good point. I won't bring out the person's name that brought this out, but they had a very legitimate point. They said to, they said to in this Bible, the other week in Bible study, they said, let me ask, what is it? And if you have the answer to this, please come and see me. 
because I really would appreciate this. But when we talk about the birth of Christ, we talk about all that Jesus should be to us. We talk about, we're talking about the joy of, of Mary and, and, and all that stuff. We talk about that. That same thing that happened to her ought to be happening to us. We ought to be joyful. Of all times, of all year, I'll be honest with you, all year long we should be joyful. In spite of all the ups and downs and pains and sorrows, lack of money, kids acting up, loss of job, physical weakness, physical, physical sickness, everything that can happen, we still ought to maintain joy. He's joy unspeakable and full of glory. But we don't. But I want to ask a question, and this is a legitimate point. What is it? And somebody help. If you got the answer to this, please, I, I, I'm not mad at you. I just want to know the answer. What is it that some of us don't think it's important enough for us to be involved in the church that we say we're in? You cannot tell the Lord, I love you. You're the joy. You bring me joy. You bring me fullness. You bring me happiness. You can't say that, and you're never a part of the fellowship and the group that makes up the body of Christ. You would think, I would, my wife would think I was a bad husband if I said I loved her and never, ever was at 515 Marlena Drive. Never ever sat at the table, never ever came to the house, never able, never was never there. But yet I tell her I love her. But she would say, Well, you say that, but how do you demonstrate that? Do you not think Jesus looks at us and say, How do we demonstrate our love to him? You're going to tell me that this is the most wonderful time of the year. You're going to tell me, you're going to be like Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zacharias. And we talk about the joy that they had. What, what, what was their joy wrapped up in? Their joy was wrapped up in who Jesus is. They saw Jesus and, and, and Mary's like, wow, he is the Messiah. He's the, he's the promised one. It says, and blessed is she who believed that what would be a fulfillment of what was She believed what was told to her by the prophet Gabriel. And my question to us is, we've got the whole counsel of God, the whole word. Do we believe everything that God says in his word? Are we taking God and, and saying, God, you cannot fail in life. He's got to be a God. If he says it, he's got to do it. Otherwise, he would cease to be God. He says, and the fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The Lord told her, you're going to bear a son. That happened. The Lord told her that the son that you have is going to be the Messiah. That happened. The Lord told her all the things that was about Jesus and who he is as the son of God was told to her, and everything that was said happened. So we come today. And we come to 2015, and we're, looking, we're talking about Christmas and the joy of giving and doing. And that's great. It's wonderful. I, I don't be I decorate. I love it. The tree, the lights. I, I travel as I drive along town, I see lights. I think, man, that's pretty. I was driving last night. saw a beautiful house. Decorated real well. Great. See some great trees. My wife's got me watching all these Christmas movies every week. We're watching them all. Great. You know, it's wonderful. But the best part of Christmas is about Jesus. Because at the end of the day, without him, there is no Christmas. It's Christ's mass. It's all about Jesus. I mean, he had never been born, never had come. We wouldn't be doing all this. 
And I think it's ironic that people try to substitute a lot of other things, but you cannot take away from Christmas what you can say happy holidays and all that, but at the end of the discussion, it's all about Jesus. Do you realize of all the people that are ever born, nobody else can claim that an individual person was ever born, that they have their own day, that the whole world celebrates? Go to the farthest reaches of the world and they celebrate Christmas. Why? They may not even know about Jesus, but they celebrate Christmas. There are people who don't even believe in Jesus, and they will celebrate Christmas. I don't get that. If that's the case, then let me ask, what is it about us opting out of things when everything about us is all about Jesus? Mary took what was told to her. You don't have to. I'll, I'll give you this. Say you never, ever want to come to church. That's an impossibility, but just say for instance, if you read the Bible and you read what's told about Jesus for yourself, how can you and I not celebrate that? How do we do that? I think it was Brother Michael was talking about, I think it was Brother Michael, or maybe, maybe it was David, somebody, that look, we show Jesus, our, I think it was in your prayer, Brother Michael, by our love, by our concern, by our faith, by our giving, by our sacrifice, by our coming, by our doing. All that makes up how much we love Jesus. And the sad thing is most, a lot of Christians are what, what many of us would not put up with, a part-time lover. If you're a woman or a man and there's that special somebody you ain't going to be happy if he's just part-time. You're going to be upset. All right. You know, okay. So we're supposed to be together. Lord, that'd be correct. But you don't come? No, 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 no. You don't want to hold my hand? Oh, no. I can't be sure no demonstrations of love. <laughs> you don't want to hold my hand? You don't want to give me a little kissy-kissy every now? No, I can't do any of that. I love you, but I can't be doing that kind of stuff. You don't want to come to my house? Oh, no, I can't come to your house. Can I come to your house? Oh, no, you can't come to my house either. Just, just, just on the times I want you to be here. You know we got another name for that one. I know you know what I'm talking about. I ain't going to say it, but you know what I'm talking about. That's how we would think about it if it was happening to us. What about Jesus? How many of us are part-time? We come when it's convenient. We come when it's good for us. And if anything else comes up, we don't want anything to do with it. And yet, we're the first to say, I love you, Jesus. This is a great time of the year. We focus on Christ. We, we talk about the joy of being a Christian. We talk about the joy of Christmas. I have so much joy. Do you really? Mary says, my soul, the very essence of my being, who I am, my soul magnifies. This from, from, from 46 all the way to 55 is called the magnificent. Mary extols about Jesus. Is, 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 it's called the Magnificent because she magnifies Christ. My soul, who I, the, very, the very being of who I am, I magnify Jesus. I extol Jesus. Everything about me is about Jesus. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God of my Savior. I've got joy. Why? Because I'm talking about Jesus. Amen. I think that's beautiful. 
You got the joy of Elizabeth. You got the joy of the unborn John the Baptist. And then you got the joy of Mary. Because they all focused on the one thing they all had in common. Jesus. Amen? I think Sister Tammy, you did a great job. I always get amazed at how the Holy Spirit works everything out. I didn't talk to Sister uh, Sigurd. I mean, Sister uh, Tammy. I talked to you, Jesus Sigurd, but another thing. I didn't talk to Sister Tammy. I uh, sent David a message saying, hey, this is what I'm going to deal with. Because I'm a firm believer that whatever we sing, whatever we do, ought to be pointing to where the message is going. Don't be singing, don't be singing, here comes Peter Cottontail or something about Easter when we're talking about Christmas. I mean, that doesn't make sense. You know, I'm like that with the reading of Scripture. Look, we're t- this is Christmas time. Pick Scriptures that you can go, the whole psalm, the, the whole, there's a whole plethora of words in, of, in the Bible that speak about the coming of Christ. Isaiah, Jeremiah, they all talk. Pick, if you're going to read Scripture, pick something that talks about that. Don't come out of, of 1 Corinthians about love when we're, we're, the emphasis is on Jesus and on his birth. Everything ought to be pointing to him. You know, it's like the old adage when you're in church service and somebody says, pray for the offering. That's what you were asked to do. Not pray for the missionaries. Not pray for the sick and afflicted. Pray for the offering. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Bless us. Amen. Don't take me into the archives of heaven. When I'm sitting at your Thanksgiving table and we say bless the food, bless the food. Father, we want to be so thankful for the opportunity to share this, your bounty, that you, or whatever, how you want to say it. But don't take me about, well, bless Cousin Myrtle because Cousin Myrtle's sick and been in the hot. No, that's not the time to do that. Do what you're told. Amen? My God. Not that hard, Sister Tammy. It's not rocket science. That's what God wants to do. Do what we're told. Live for me. Be joyful. I know life is tough. I know circumstances are hard. I know we're going through a trial. I know, I know all that. But God is still good. God is still great. God is still merciful. God is still wonderful. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All that makes up who Jesus is. I've already told my family, you don't, worry, don't worry about getting me in. If I can sit down to a nice dinner and we're all together and we're all reasonably healthy, I am fine. Whether I get my traditional underwear and T-shirts or not, I am still fine. Amen? I'm not going to be hurt. Although for the last 20-some years, that's what's happened. I get a new supply of white T-shirts. And fruit looms. <laughs> Amen. God is good. And we say that, but I really want us to understand it's more than just saying that. It's about really embracing that. God has been too good to us. God's been too good to our family. Some of us need to look at, we've got children. Some of you have been blessed. You've got children. You've got grandchildren. And as of today, everything has been blessed in your life. Your children have not gone out and caused you any, any bad reports or anything. I mean, every life has been good to you. And you're telling me that as good as God has been, we're not able to give him thanks and honor. Say, Lord, how can I thank you? Well, you can thank him by praising him. You can thank him by coming to Sunday school. You can thank him by coming to Wednesday night. You can thank him by giving. You can thank him by doing. You can thank him by all the things that make up service. 
Because you can't never repay what God has done for you. And you're telling me the best some of us could do is be part-time? There's nothing wrong with that. And we ought to be, we ought not to be happy. I'm not happy about that in my own life. I can do way more better than I have in 20. My goal is to be better in 2016 than I have been in 2015. Because I've been way in the balance. I find myself coming up wanting the joy of Mary, the joy of Elizabeth, and the joy of the unborn in John the Baptist. They had a lot to be joyful for because they understood what was about ready to happen. Next Sunday, if you already want, I'll tell you, we are going to deal with all the things that deal with the birth of Jesus. Chapter 2, probably from chapter 2, 1 through, uh, we'll probably just highlight all the way down to at least 14. Amen. All right, got it. Be praying. Say, Lord, I know I've read that many times. I don't know what, say. what else can pastor say about it. Well, there's a whole lot to say. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for blessing us and keeping us. We thank you. If we lost our joy for whatever reason, restore our joy. Help us to focus on you, your goodness, your greatness, how you've blessed all of us in this room today, above and beyond what we really deserve. Thank you, Father. Bless this time of year. If we are unable to do financially what we think we should do, help us not get caught in that trap. If we don't have it, we just don't have it. But fix us. Help us. Help us to share the joy of this year with a world that needs to know that they are loved by you. First, deal with us then help us deal with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.